ultimately, I think we always have to just recalibrate and remind ourselves of where we are going, of who we want to be, and then just keep pushing towards that vision. Welcome back to the morning news. Welcome back to The Morning Muse, your weekly interview podcast. Today, we are joined by international keynote speaker and executive coach, Mr. Eric Kruger. How are you doing, sir? Good, so well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. And as we start and just get right into it, who is Mr. Eric Kruger? And may you enlighten us about what the expansive is? Yeah, sure thing. It's been an interesting couple of years. When I graduated in 2007, I was a physio. I then went on to realize that I didn't really want to be a physio at all and started trying to figure out what is it that I'm going to do with my life. And along the way, I sort of fell in love with digital. The world has opened up to us. There are so many opportunities and there's so much potential in being connected to people around the world that I wanted to do something online. And that kind of led me down the road of trying many different things and ultimately creating what became South Africa's biggest self-development movement for men. And that was called Better Man. I ran that for about a year or two. And eventually what that pushed me into is executive coaching and speaking, because as the community grew, the guys were saying, listen, can we do events? And we started hosting events and because of that i was on stage i was hosting these events and i just realized again how much i loved being in front of people and sharing ideas that have an impact and that can help people to be better at the things they care about and so for the past four years or so that's been my main focus it's been how do i research curate and share ideas that matter and, you know, we live in a world that has an overload of content. We don't need more people creating content at this stage. Like we are packed to the brim. And so what we really need is the curators to emerge. People who find the best ideas and then put them together for us in a way that's easy to consume. And I think that's also why podcasts like this format that you have as well became so popular because it's on you, the person hosting the podcast to curate the best content that's out there and to make sure that you only present your listeners with what's the best for them. I spend most of my time working with organizations, sharing about the future of work, the future of leadership, and then how they can accelerate their personal and professional development. The Expansive is my own podcast that I host with a good friend of mine, John Sane. We don't do interviews really. We just have a bit of a banter every week about our latest research, information, experiences, and how we can live a more expansive life. You guys are honestly doing so well with the expansive you continue to help people physiotherapy was something that you might have liked but you saw that that's not what really drives you when i was studying physio i thought i really wanted to be a physio until i got into the real world and started operating in it and it just wasn't for me but i think what's been interesting is that if i look at a zoomed out version of my entire life and all the changes that i've made i think what's been quite constant and this is something that we all need to look at purpose is a very big word that we like to use a lot and it can be quite daunting because it might feel like you have to find your purpose at one point and then like that is your purpose for the rest of your life. And I can't say that I've necessarily always felt purpose driven, but I do feel like I've had an underlying value of mine, which has always been to be of service to others. And that value has been constant right throughout everything that I've done. And so even though what I've done has changed, the value of adding value to people's lives that hasn't changed. You spoke about how you like speaking and creating ideas. As a keynote speaker, you set out the central theme of a conference. May you explain your journey from growing up to becoming a successful speaker? It's quite weird because that's also not something that I've ever seen myself doing. I never thought like I want to be a speaker. 
or I want to be an executive coach. Um, I think even going back to that time, I'm not even sure that I knew that those existed as occupations. Uh, so it really became like some more of an awareness for me, I'd say around 2015, 2014. And it really was the community pushing me into it. I gave you a sort of a brief breakdown of that when I spoke about Better Man. But really what happened is that when I created Better Man, all I could think about is how do I grow this community? And so what I started doing is I started sending out a daily email and this daily email just exploded. People loved it because it was short to the point. I think now we have tons of daily emails that exist, but back then it wasn't such a big thing. Uh, so the email did very well. And because the community grew, you start having people saying, well, they take ownership of the community and they start saying, well, how can we further the community? And one of the first things that came out was that we have this amazing online commitment and connection, but how do we take that offline? And so we started hosting all these events. We had phenomenal sponsors come on board. And of course, like being the founder of Better Man, it was on me to also host the events. And I remember how scared and how nervous I was the first time I stepped back on stage. But then each successive event that we hosted, I was just like, man, this feels good. Like, this is exactly what I want to do because you have the ability to influence people for the better or for worse. But ultimately, like, it's such an amazing platform to be on. It was the perfect intersection. Something that I really found interesting about you was your ability to change obstacles into opportunities and just continue moving forward. And with that, did you always enjoy speaking and helping others growing up? Yeah, it's been a very natural part of my life right throughout. When I was doing physio, it was helping people physically recover from accidents, from surgery. When I got into Better Man, it was helping men find their way in a world where I feel like men aren't often that supported. And it's definitely a time where we need it. And today it's really about helping individuals, teams, and leaders navigate the incredible uncertainty that they have to face every single day. So I feel like it's always been a theme in what I've done, but it's also just, if you look at the world of marketing and how that's shifting, something that's become quite obvious is that you need to be of service first. You need to add value first before you can expect anything in return. So I think it's also just become quite a prudent way of doing business is that you have to add value first. But I think if I look at my life, it's always been a common theme that I'm in service of others. And I think, again, that might be attributed to the fact that my parents are both in that line of work. You spoke about adding value in lives and with better men, in which aspects of life do you think men need support? Everything. It's been a tough journey over the past few years for men. You know, I think there's been many forces that have conspired against masculinity for example and the world is changing and so with that men also need to find their place in what this world is looking like i don't think masculinity is a is a fixed idea what that means is that it has to evolve as the world evolves but of course masculinity is intrinsically tied to your identity as well and so when that changes what does it mean about who you are and the role that you play as a man especially since women have really taken up their place in the world and so traditional gender roles have changed significantly and if your identity is tied to that then you're going to find yourself in the wilderness you're going to be very uncertain about the value that you bring to the world so i really think there's a recalibration that needs to happen we also know that suicide rates for men have gone up dramatically and you know there's so many factors like i, I would never just say that there's one thing that's driving that. So I'm reading a great book at the moment. If you're a guy listening to this, you can definitely read it because it's more masculinity. The book is called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. 
And it speaks essentially about how men have all four of these archetypes in them and how we need to live into it. But the main takeaway from the book at the moment that I have already is that when you look at medieval times and in certain cultures, what you always saw was that men went through like an initiation ceremony. There was a transition for you from being a boy to being a man. And a big part of that was the elders of the tribe, the men in the tribe, acknowledging you through that transition. And I feel like a lot of that has been lost, that we don't have men supporting boys becoming men. Does that make sense? And by the way, if I say boy here, I'm not necessarily referring to like a child. Um, I think there are many men that have boy psychology. They are still boys trapped in a man's body, essentially. Like they haven't made that transition. So they act out in childish ways. And it's because they haven't discovered uh, a mature masculine for themselves at all. That's really interesting. And as an executive coach, you work with individuals to help them gain self-awareness, clarify goals, achieve their development objectives and unlock their potential, which I believe takes a lot of preparation. And with that, what does a typical day in your week look like? And do you have a routine that you follow religiously or does it change from day to day? Yeah, it's been changing a lot. Um, <laughs> it's weird because since lockdown started, I feel like every day is just the same. What changes is the kind of work that I do, obviously. Like on a Monday, I have the entire day blocked out just for creative work. And all I do on a Monday is I'm working on content, on keynotes, on scripts for my videos, planning for the podcasts, kind of things like that. And then the rest of the week is more dedicated to client work. I've been feeling very much the same, right? I don't know if you felt that as well, but like with lockdown... You wake up at home, you work from home, you go to sleep at home, like everything is just kind of the same. So yes, there's a lot of routine. I think there's a lot of monotony in my day, but I'm, I'm trying to keep it interesting by creating these sort of time blocks where, you know, sometimes create content and then some is for client work. I also felt that at the start of lockdown, but what I chose to do, and like what you said, I created time blocks for every hour of the day, I have something to do. Mm. Whether it's at this time, I'm going to take a nap, or at this time, I'm going to spend it sending emails or working, just so that I'm a better version of what I was yesterday. What's often missing when people think about how they structure their day and their weeks is that we have a lot of time focused on performance, but not a lot of time on learning. And I try and make that distinction quite clear when I speak to clients that you are always operating in the performance zone or in the learning zone. And the performance zone is what we are naturally drawn to because that's where we get work done. That's where we create the results that we want. But ultimately, if you really want to excel, then you also need to spend time in the learning zone. And the learning zone is how do I become a better version of myself? It is what do I need to learn in order to better understand the future? It is what skill do I need to acquire in order to be more relevant in the future? And unfortunately, what I see is that people are so time starved that they don't make the time to spend time in the learning zone. So it's good if you have that distinction already in your diary. That's really true. And as an executive coach who has the opportunity to engage with various audiences, you obviously get to communicate with a lot of people. Has it affected the way you approach people and helped with your confidence with your line of work? Yeah, it definitely has. I think what has become like my biggest learning over the years is that I just have to have a lot more empathy and that we have to understand that people are on different stages of the journey. So when we talk about change that's happening in the world or just in general, 
there's always two levels of change if you think about it we have external change and we have internal change and they happen in tandem so a lockdown starts and everyone has to start working from home okay. and what you are seeing on the outside is this shift right to remote work that is the external change and when we speak about adaptability that is what we're talking about is like how quickly can you adapt to this external change but what we don't see and what we don't pay attention to is that there's an internal change happening as well and the internal change is that you have to let go of an identity of who you were you have to let go of you have to say goodbye to something there's a loss uh, you have to deal with the uncertainty and the overwhelm and the fear of the unknown and essentially and i've seen this over the past few months as well is that we are all in different stages of transition all the time so some people are busy dealing with the ending because there's there's three stages to it right like some people are dealing with the ending some people are stuck in the wilderness where they're trying to figure things out and some people have moved on to a new beginning where they're excited about a vision for the future and so we always have to take into account that people are in different stages of transition in different stages of dealing with change and so when we understand that it makes us more empathetic towards them but i think it's also helping us to be more kind to ourselves so i think that's in having spoken to thousands of people over the past few months via conferences and events no yeah. that's definitely been the biggest thing that has resonated for me is that we are all in different stages of change but that it's a shared human experience that we are all dealing with the uncertainty the overwhelm and the fear and that's so true about how everyone is constantly changing and you spoke about change and transition which is evident in your life as a male in business i can imagine that you've encountered challenges along the way and what keeps you going when things get tough in your respective field i can't say that i've had challenges because of being a male in business at least not that i've overtly observed in any way but i have had many challenges in business one of the biggest challenges is that when you go from doing one thing to another so when you go from being a physio to a digital entrepreneur running better man when you go from being the guy who runs better man to being an executive coach and as keynote speaker there are both internal and external challenges the and this is again this comes back to this model i just spoke about the internal challenges is that you have to change your identity that for a long time when i was speaking on stage i still felt like a healthcare pr- practitioner i still felt like a physio so i felt like an imposter and i would get up on a stage and i'd be speaking for like one of the biggest organizations in south africa and i would feel like oh man they're going to catch me out who am i to be speaking to these people so you have this internal transition that you need to go through where your identity becomes who you are or who you want to be and i remember very specifically like i was uh speaking at an event digitally but for a company in the US and i remember coming off that call and for the first time feeling like wow like now i really feel like a keynote speaker like i i am who i am so like there's the the internal challenges that we have to deal with that was a big one for me and then the external challenges is just once you start something new you always have to build up the momentum and momentum takes time and often we feel very rushed to create success immediately and as quickly as possible there's a level of patience that you have to cultivate for yourself but there's also building systems that will help you to succeed and that's been quite challenging as well is what does the system look like that helps you to scale your speaking business or your coaching business or whatever business you are in it's learning an entire new world and a new way of operating so those have been like some of the big challenges that i feel like i faced and what keeps me going you know i'm fortunate that i get to wake up in the morning and i love what i do and i want to keep doing what i love so i think that's all the motivation i need to keep pushing forward 
is that I've always had very big ambitions, big goals. And sometimes along the way, you lose your way and you might become a little bit more complacent than what you want it to be. But ultimately, I think we always have to just recalibrate and remind ourselves of where we are going, of who we want to be, and then just keep pushing towards that vision. What steps did you have to take in yourself to believe that you were a keynote speaker and no more a healthcare practitioner? The best way to approach that always is going to be that you have to do the work, meaning that you can tell yourself you're now a keynote speaker, for example, whatever the changes that you're going through, but it's only through repetition and showing yourself that you are actually good at this new thing that you are doing, that you'll build up the confidence and the belief in yourself. But having said that, I don't think that's enough. I think it's a dual strategy that you have to follow. The one part of it is that you are out there, you are doing the thing, you are practicing, rehearsing, refining the skill that you are acquiring. And I'll never forget, I was listening to Gil Ovet. He was one of the sharks on Shark Tank in South Africa. He had a very successful exit out of a business, a very big exit. And during one of his talks, he said, you have to act as if, and I love that because he's saying, act as if you're already successful. Act as if you are already a famous keynote speaker. Act as if. So like the idea is like you are, it's available to you to step into who you want to be immediately. You just have to do it. So that was the one part. And then the second part was that I do meditations every single morning. And there's a specific meditation by Joe Dispenza called... AM meditation. So like if you go and look for it on his website, I think it's called morning meditations, uh, morning and evening meditations. And specifically in there, there's the morning meditations, the one I do every single day. And it's all about your vision for the future. It's all about who are you going to be, the potential that the future has. And so sitting in that future every single morning, that's really powerful. And that really helps you to calibrate yourself to the future. And it helps you to then act as if once you stand up from that meditation. That's so inspiring. You have to see what you're doing as what it could be rather than what it is in the moment. I believe that supportive friends and family around you can really help in support of your goals and help you with your vision. And with that, who are the three people who have been most influential to you on your journey? Yeah, it's very difficult to narrow that down. Definitely my wife would be the first. When you start a new business, it's always challenging. The life of an entrepreneur is always challenging because life isn't linear. So there are ups and downs. And ultimately, the partner that you select is going to be crucial in whether you are able to withstand the up and downs of life and of business. And I think there's actually been quite a bit of research about that that has shown just the, how important it is to choose the right partner. So that would definitely be my first pick. Secondly is I would put John in second. And the reason for that is that he's actually been a mentor to me in the speaking industry. And he's allowed me to learn from him, but he's also opened up many doors for me. And I think that's something that we often lack because that's what a mentor is about, right? It's giving you the guidance, uh, helping you to think differently about the world, but also opening doors for you. And he's definitely done that for me in spades. So that would be number two. And then number three, you know, it's like there's a collection of other speaker friends that I have that have supported me along the way. It's difficult to specifically isolate a third. There's a quote that says, I come as one, but I stand as 1,000. Yeah. I feel like when you have so many people around you helping you, it also gives you extra motivation because you also want them to see that the seed that they planted in you is really growing. Mm, yeah, for sure. Ultimately, and this is one of the concerns I've had with the remote work movement, is that I feel people have been very isolated because of it. 
that we just don't get to have the natural flow of conversation that we need to have. That when you jump on a call with a team member, for example, it's always about the work that needs to be done. And what we start missing out on is the opportunity to really be there for each other, really support each other, and really have those conversations that create mentor-like relationships. That's so true. As an altruistic influencer and role model to many young people, what advice would you give anyone trying to pursue a similar career path? Yeah, that's a good question. From a coaching point of view, I'd say the first thing that you need to do is differentiate yourself because there are many people who wake up in the morning and just go, I want to be a coach. And then the next thing you see, they are advertising their coaching services. And I don't necessarily have a big issue with that because I did the same thing. And I just backed that up by actually doing the work and getting my master's degree in business and executive coaching and working with clients until I felt more validated in doing it. So I don't really have a problem with people doing that, but I just think it's a very generic space to be in. So you have to find ways to differentiate yourself. That'll be my advice on the coaching side. On the speaking side, it's one of the toughest businesses to get into. It's a very rewarding business, I think, but it's very tough to get into. And the reason for that is that it doesn't follow the usual sales cycle. You don't just create Facebook ads and that automatically lands you conversions of people coming into your speaking you know like that doesn't doesn't work like that the most important thing you can do as a speaker is that you have to build trust with people in real life but also online and that's really where content plays a very big role is that when you are consistently putting out good high quality content people trust you people connect your name to the topic that you speak about and if they then know that you're a speaker then i think it becomes a much easier sale and it becomes an easier conversation to have so my advice on the speaking side would be build trust by sharing widely and openly about your area of expertise and your experience. That's really true about building trust because the more trust you build, the stronger relationships you build with people. And people always just want to come and hear you because they believe what you're saying. And, you know, it takes time. It takes time because also people assume that once you've posted something on social media that everyone sees it. And of course, like if you've played the game at all, then you'll know that that's not true. Only a very small percentage of the people that actually follow you see the work that you put out. And so therefore you have to be very consistent and put out content over and over and over to maximize the opportunity that people will see what you've put out. That's so true. As we round off, the last question I'll ask today is, in every podcast, I have a signature question, which is what does happiness mean to you? So today, Mr. Eric Kruger, what does happiness mean to you? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that and it feels to me that doing what I love is happiness. I was always between jobs, right? In a way, like I was running a physio practice, but I was starting Better Man. And I remember my day felt distinctly different. In the mornings when I was doing physio, I, was, I wasn't unhappy, but I, like, it just wasn't my best space to be in. I don't want to say that I, I didn't enjoy helping people because that's not true but like it just it wasn't my best space and then once I left the practice and I started doing the work that I wanted to do that I love doing which is working with with clients in the corporate space doing talks rehearsing like researching it felt like I really came alive and it was just like there was such a clear differentiation between how the two felt to me internally and I think that's what I just want for the rest of my life is to be able to do the kind of work that fulfills me and it gives me meaning and I know that what I'm doing at the moment, like it just, it hits the spot perfectly. When you're passionate about something and you generally enjoy doing it, I think that gives you an extra sense of motivation because it stops feeling like a job and it starts feeling like something you want to do where you don't have to be motive. You don't have to be told by anyone or motivated 
by anyone to go do it because you want that for yourself. Yeah. And I think with that, I'd just like to say thank you so much, sir, for joining us on The Morning Muse. We wish you the best in all your endeavors. And it was honestly an honor speaking to you today. Thank you so much, Adrian. And uh, I hope that your podcast goes on to do very well and millions and millions of downloads. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoy it.